With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Archery Unfiltered. I was just sharing a little bit of uh, some of the music that's on that I I jam out to. I was uh, Freddie King. The song's going called "Going Down." It's from like the seventies. I think it's from seventy one. Um, yeah, a lot of people. Anyone that knows me knows that my day job is uh, I uh, I build speakers. <laughs> so. As you can imagine, I, I listen to a lot of music just as part of like a way to pass the day, pass the time while I'm working. Also, you got to make sure your product fucking works. Um, and my favorite, like my favorite genre of music, a lot of people don't know, is like American blues. I think that's what they call it, like rock blues. But anyway, that's the kind of music that I get, that I blast in my car to get you know, get the blood flowing uh, to get my ass up and out to practice when I'm, you know, waking up uh, an hour before the sun comes up. So, <laughs> um, I'm like, I don't know. It, if you guys want, I'll share a little, you know, I'll play a 20-second clip of whatever the whatever the song is I'm jamming out to that day. I just know that song, that song right there, uh is one of well, you know one of many that I just like. Well, I fire that up and I'm just I'm ready to kick the door in to the you know Archer Range Clubhouse and just start rapid firing arrows <laughs> all over the place. Um, man, so here we are, two weeks post writing. Is it two weeks? Yeah, two weeks post writing. Three weeks post. Third. So we're on like our third week post writing. Um. The next upcoming event is um, going to be uh, Nevada City for for those of us that are shooting the Outlaws. Uh, a lot of people might be shooting Nevada City just as like a fun novelty shoot thing. They call it the June shoot. Um, I have not shot Nevada City in many a year, so I'm really excited. And then the week after that, uh, the state of California has its state field championship. Um, now what a lot of people don't know, a lot of people just know Wendell is like, hey, he's a dude that he does decent at indoor archery. And that's, that is, you wouldn't be wrong in, in thinking that. That is where uh, I can get my rocks off. Um, but the thing that really hooked me into archery was field archery, specifically field archery. Uh, I liked field archery. If you like take a, a, you know, if you look at a timeline of my love for archery, a large percentage of it was doing field archery with my buddy and my the guy that taught me to shoot. And uh, you know, the when I kicked butt at nationals, it was field archery. You know. Uh, granted, it was the amateur class. This is not, you know, not the pro class. Interesting tidbit that I didn't know, but pro class, when you shoot pro class, X's count as a point. So that's something. If you guys are practicing uh, field archery and you're not, uh, you're not really giving a shit about your X count. Well, if you're shooting pro class, you should, or if you know, if you strive to shoot pro class one day, you should really do it. Um. You know, just keep track of that X count because it, it might mean something uh, someday. So, yeah, man. 
I have a whole bunch of notes here for you guys. Just things that I've been working on. Um, I'm kind of combing for guests now, you know. Uh, I have a couple people I want to get on. I know a lot of you guys asked, you know, you know, told me to try to get Paige on the show. A lot of you guys I saw on her live stream asked Paige to, to get on the show. Um, I was just in uh, a target in front of her in, in Reading, so I got to ask her in person. Even even the guys on her uh, bail were like, you should go on Wendell's show. Um, but I don't know, man. She didn't sound like, I mean, one, she sounded like she was busy. Right? She kind of was like, you know, I'm a busy lady. And I believe that. It's hard enough to get, you know, as a guy not shooting page numbers uh, to get enough practice in to maintain what I'm doing. Much less, you know, I'm sure Paige is doing all kinds of shit. Oh, is she in Korea right now? She might be in Korea even. But um, she didn't sound too interested. So, you know, those of you guys that are uh, were hoping to hear, hear her on the show, ah, I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, who knows? Maybe. Uh, I would like to get that Bob Eiler on here, though. <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> Um. So yeah. Uh. Well, you guys know. Like, I I was pretty vocal about it. Like, I shot pretty poorly in Reading, but I wanted to. You know, I didn't want to talk about shooting poorly because you guys know it's my big gripe, right? So after Reading, it was just nose to the grindstone. Like, what next? Let's fix the. Like you, you, you know, I knew what I had uh, done wrong. Well, vaguely, and uh, it's cool. My, you know. What a good friend of mine, Tom, uh, was saying, like, what's different between now and the last time, you know, when you started, when you were throwing down big scores? And there's actually a lot. Like, the way I set my bow up now is very different from the way I set my bow up back in the day, day when I was shooting uh, much more competitive scores. So I started analyzing that and, or what's that, taking that to heart, not analyzing it, but I'm starting to think, like, okay. Well, what what are some things that I used to do that I'm not doing anymore? And then what are some things that other good shooters are doing, all right? And so um, it's just little things that I was working on. Um, and, you know, the, I could go on and on about what little things that is. I don't know if you guys probably don't care, but um, you know, I made a list of short-term goals and long-term goals. And... This is something that I think any of you guys can use if you have a, a, a rough, um, you know, if you have a rough competition or maybe things don't go your way. Um, it kind of helps to either refer to this list or just make make the list on the spot. And, um, you know, short-term goals right now is just, it's very simple. Get out and practice. Okay? Like that's a, you know, the the illustrious Mark Rubio would say, just go shoot your bow, right? That's a short-term goal. Long-term goal is shoot, um, is get my scores up. They don't have to be exactly where they were, where they used to be when I was blasting arrows all the time, but just to be close. You know, I want to be, a, I want to be in the, the ballpark of where I, I used to be. So, those are, that little... Just that alone uh, has given me like a roadmap for what I need to do moving forward. And I think this can help, you know, anybody. I think, um, you know, I think I told you guys in the last episode, one of my buddies got DQ'd in Reading. Uh, Well, you know, that can be a real kick in the nuts, you know. Um, But it doesn't mean archery is done for you, you know. Yeah, or for that gentleman, it means you know you go to the drawing board, um, come up with a game plan, and how you're gonna get back out there and get back to competing, getting back out doing it. You know what I mean? And how you're gonna do it better in the future? So it was funny. Uh, sometimes when I ha- <laughs> when I when I do poorly at events, and I'm like, <laughs> that that little whiny bitchy version of me does not last long (laughs) usually it's a couple days and then i'm like all right what's the game plan what are we doing because we're not sitting around bitching and moaning about 
this thing that we love to do. We're going to figure out how to do it good. So pretty neat. Pretty neat. Uh, I think the, uh, the Ben Hobbs of archery and like the guys, if you guys listen to like John Weaver and Ben Hobbs, those episodes that I've had where I've interviewed these guys, they said, there's no way that, you know, you don't have time to practice. You can make time. And I think those guys would be proud of me because I've been making time. And, uh, what I've been doing is waking up at right when I wake up at like four fifty. Uh I make it to the range by five thirty and then just as the sun's coming up or the sun's already starting to come up, but you know, you really can't see the targets all that well. And then right around five forty, five fifty, I'm shooting field rounds. And that's what I need to do. Because you guys know when I when I got home from work I got I got a baby I gotta take care of. Uh I got a, a house I got to maintain. Um, you know, I got to do the adulting thing. I got to play husband. So uh, not all you guys are going to be in that same situation. If you can go hit the range after work and you can get more than an hour in, oh, man, you're in, good, you're in a good, you know, uh, you got a good opportunity to work down some improvement. Um, you know, if you don't have the uh, after work uh open schedule find find out where your schedule's open do it in the morning it's you're not doomed you know and so um anyway you guys have, may have heard me talk in previous episodes about you know how my buddy Rudy's shooting really good now I'm starting to see like an actual improvement in his scores and it's, it's just due to practicing and uh it's making me get my ass out there and what am I doing well I'll tell you guys I like it's something that I talked about being <laughs> lame before. I'm shooting half field rounds in in the morning, right? So the second the sun comes up, um, maybe I take a couple warm-up arrows, maybe. But pretty much after a few warm-up arrows, I'm scoring, and that that's it. I am doing a scoring half field round. And there's no do-overs. There's no, like, workshopping a target or, you know, something I missed. It is like, it's like testing yourself, you know, it, um, like showing up for a math test, you know, is your homework on? Did you do your, you know, are you ready to put up or shut up or was it nut up or shut up? So yeah, I'm nutting up and shutting up every day. And this week's been every single day. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's I don't want to say archery is physically demanding, but getting out there and and putting in half field rounds every day it's it's something and guess what it's been one week of continuous field rounds all tomorrow it'll be a work week right five days of continuous field rounds i've seen an an actual improvement in numbers so i mean here's the benefit of the half field round and this is something that i shit on i was like my buddy jim and my buddy Rudy, they shoot half field rounds, or they used to shoot half field rounds all the time. And I told them, you guys aren't doing anything for yourselves. That's only like, what is it, 14 targets, four arrows a piece. That's 56 arrows, right? Like, you're not gaining anything out of that. Because, um, you know, pro shooters are shooting like 100 arrows a day. Um, but there's something to be said about shooting scored arrows, where you're not just going out there and flinging arrows willy-nilly. Every single arrow counts. So, you know, every time you miss, it fucking stings. It hurts. Um, so, anyway, I, you know, started shooting the very beginning of this week. I think I was shooting like seven or seven or eight down on a half field, which is pretty, that's pretty hairy, you know. That's, uh, that's a lot of points down for a half field round. And it's only been four days. And I've cleaned it up to five down. All right, so I, I've cleaned up two points in one week, consistently, consistently. I think I, I shaved one point off on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I've been I've been five down, um, and I'm that makes me happy. It shows improvement. I'm figuring shit out while I'm out there. You know, the bow shoots great. You know, center shots good. There's nothing to complain about. It's just me and the course and. It, I tell you guys, like I am falling in love with field archery all over again. And I think, you know, if it, you know, 
I know some of you guys are out there like, oh, I got no one to, to benchmark on or I got no one to, to shoot against. You don't need another person. Go out there and beat yourself, you know? Beat yesterday's score or beat the, you know, beat your personal best. Um, but goddamn, field archery is so fun. Uh, you know, the range I shoot at, it's, I mean, it's out in the Oakland Hills. So if you can avoid getting your car broken into you, or you can avoid like getting robbed at gunpoint. It's a beautiful experience, man. Like uh, I'm out there in the as the sun's coming up, I get to be out there in the wilderness. Um, and by wilderness, I just mean the forest, and I get to shoot some arrows. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's been a gr- it's been a great week of practice, and I've been very happy. I feel very fortunate to to one live close enough to the range to do that, and two have access to the range to be able to do that. So, let's see. What do I got here? Um, so, yeah. The benefit of the half field round. I think it was Rio Wild who said he doesn't shoot any arrows unless he's scoring them. Right? And this was a while back. And I remember, you know, people weighed in on whether they thought he was right or wrong for saying that. But there's something to be said about it. You get out there and shoot a scoring round. Which means there's no going back. If you shoot, <laughs> if you're at the 80 walk up and you shoot, you know, a 5 at 80, a 5 at 70, a 5 at 60, and then a 4 at 50, there's no doing it over. I mean, you could do it over, I guess, if you want to do that style of practice, but I'm taking the, the sting from missing and I'm letting that be my fuel for the next day. Like, you know, the next day I'm, I think it's Joel Turner who's saying like, you know, uh, there's one school of thought in archery, which is like, don't think about the misses, right? Or don't think about what could uh, go wrong. And then I think in some podcasts he said, no, that thing that goes wrong, that's the thing that's going to fuel you and keep you from taking a crappy shot next time. So, you know, there's something to be said for that. That, that scoring round. So all the arrows I'm shooting this week are scored arrows. Um, I might, you know, I might take a day this week and do a, a workshop day where I go and hit different, you know, troubled targets and just start mashing out arrows at, at those targets. But, I mean, at this point, I've been shooting for, you know, a handful of years. I don't think it's necessary. It's just a matter of getting your mind getting your focus together, getting your shot under control. Um, and I think that's all stuff that applies to all you guys. You know, I don't think that's just, that's just me. I think maybe some of you newer guys can spend a day workshopping the hard targets, you know, trying to get the low percentage targets up a little bit. Um, but aside from that, I mean, it's really about focus. So yeah, it's tough, man. Like, (laughs) I have it here in my notes that, you know, you can be a, if you're going to be a jack of all trades, then you're a master of none. And I can't remember where I heard that. I just heard that recently in this past week. But it's like, if you're going to do archery well, and you want to be, um, what's the word? Effective at it. It is a competitor. There's a bunch of different disciplines of it. There is, you know, indoor archery. And within indoor archery, there's the the 23 diameter world archery format. There's the Vegas format. If you want to split hairs, there's the five spot format. But then when you come outdoors, there's the safari format. Then there's field archery. And for all you savages on the other side of the country, there's the ASA, you know, 3D stuff. I mean, again, splitting hairs. Ugh. Pardon me. There's the break the barriers over here, which is, you know, kind of like a tiny safari um, dot. So, you know, I'll be the first guy to tell you I'm a master of none. (laughs) Uh, But it doesn't mean I I don't want to work at them and get better. So it's a good feeling to to put some practice in. I hope you guys are all getting solid practice in because Nevada City's coming up next week. Um,. And that is a good segue into the the teams, man. Um, for all you Northern California guys uh, and gals, 
if you guys have checked out the outlaw standings, it's pretty impressive. The first place team right now is Barry Smith and Caleb Cuiocho. Uh Those are two guys uh, from the wilderness camp of shooters. Uh, Caleb's a young a young buck who, man, he shoots with the dudes. Man, he he's a uh, he's a young I don't want to say a kid because he's not a kid. But I think he could be, you know, he could shoot in the kids' class, but he's that good. He shoots, he throws down in the adult class, right? Um, right behind Barry and Caleb is uh, Randall Kilpack and Johan Sellor. Those are two dudes from Pacifica. Um, I mean, they're probably from, like, the South San Francisco area, but they're from the Pacifica archery uh, camp of shooters. After that, Mark Rubio, Heather Gore-Smith. That's another... Um, two wilderness badasses, and then Jacob uh, Barbell, Barbell, and Alan Burnett are in fourth. Randy Long, Doug Rosen, two wilderness guys are in fifth. Brent Brown and Brian Webb are in sixth. And you know, forgive me, everyone. I'm just gonna skip over the rest of them. But basically, it comes down to um. If you look at like the amount of points you get, if your team wins an event, you get thirty points. Your team gets thirty points, right? Uh, you know, second place will get you twenty nine points, and then so on down the line. This outlaw is still anybody's game. There's all these different teams, and every team down to like, I want to say eleventh place, even fourteenth place, has a shot to win it. Any team, basically, any team down to 14th or 15th place, if your team places first in Nevada City, and, you know, the first and second place teams don't place second or third, like, you pretty much got it on lock. It, this is, uh, this new format that the Outlaws is doing is amazing. I, I, this might be an old format, but the way they're showing showing the numbers and they're showing the teams and stuff. It's pretty awesome, and so I'm excited. I'm excited. I I get to shoot the Nevada City Outlaws with you guys. I'm gonna be shooting with my buddy Darren, my old school uh, outlaw partner. We're gonna we're gonna give it a solid solid stab. <laughs> Hopefully, we can upset these uh, these numbers here. <laughs> but man, uh, I was impressed checking that all out. Um, if you guys want to learn more about Caleb Quiocho. Uh, I interviewed him during Indoor Nationals. Really cool young guy. Um, badass shooter. Very mellow, uh, calm dude. Super cool dad who supports him. I think his mom supports him too. He's got a cool family that's just all about him, you know, doing the, doing the archery thing. So it'll be cool to see how they do in Nevada City. So, um, oh, yeah. Um, going back to the field archery thing. Sorry, guys. My notes are going to be jumping around. Um, I, I wrote, because I'm shooting for score, every shot counts. I already talked about that. When I start missing in a trend, I know something has to change with myself, with my shot process, or with my setup. Right? So, a good example. Early in the week, I noticed I was starting to, like, I was trending where 50% of these shots that I took, I missed high. Right? Well... You know, what do you do if you're getting like, and it, when I say miss high, I mean like out of the four shots you got to take, I would miss one high, right? Well, that's a lot, it's a large percentage of targets to miss. It might not be 50%, it might be more like 40%, but um, to me, you can approach that a handful of different ways. You can alter your timing, you can change your back bar angle. I just simply add, added a stable, like an ounce to the front of my, my bar in hopes that. Whatever is causing me to, what they call up, what they call up bang, you know, on those shots, would be pulled down a little bit by that one ounce, and it seemed to work. It seemed to work, but you know, this week has just been a bunch of like little things like that. Do I see a trend? Am I missing certain targets here or there? And if so, you know, can I identify what the issue is? Most of it's been like, okay, am I missing at the top or the bottom consistently? If it's out the top, ounce to the front. If it's out the back, out, uh, out the bottom, ounce on the bottom or remove weight, right? 
that's just been a, a little rule that I've been going by. It's not perfect. It's not the um, you know, it's not the end all be all for how you should tune your stabilizers. It's just something I'm doing this week, just to you know, just to get myself working at it. Um, if you know, I don't want to keep plugging old episodes, but I did a whole episode on stabilizer weights and and how to set them up. And I'm a firm believer in that method that I I got, went over there. Um, but for field archery, I kind of feel like more weight on the bow is better. I know that's against like everything I've been preaching as far as indoor goes. Indoor, you can really get away with a lightweight setup because you're just shooting 20 yards. But I feel like for field, you know, the 80-yard, the 70-yard targets, those are really crucial. Like the, the guys that are going to win it are going to be the guys that take those with them. They're not going to drop those and leave those there. So, you know, you got to be, you got to be comfortable, confident in making those shots and little things, little mistakes can't get in the way. And I think, you know, Blake Jerome talks about, if you check out his Facebook posts, he talks about how a heavier bow is, I don't know if he said more forgiving, but he said, well, we'll score better. A heavier setup will score better on average. So, um, that's not to say, you know, everyone run out there, jam a bunch of weight on your bow, because I think that's all within, you know, uh, all within reason. I think you, you add weight that you can control. If you can the second it gets out of control, you've just, it defeats the purpose, you know, like why, why even if you can't hold it up and shoot it? So, yeah. Um, uh, the other thing I've been working on is arrow speed. Uh, I kind of had this idea in Reading that my arrows are getting blown around because they're moving too slow, right? And I talked to some good shooters, and they were like, well, you know, wind really blows you. They really does not affect your arrows. And I've be- I've believed that for a long time. I listened to uh, a podcast. I can't remember this guy's name. Damn, I probably shouldn't be quoting him if I don't know his name. But there's a guy who works on testing aerodynamics of arrows from way back in the day, right? He's very like very much pro X10, you know, because the X10 is like a heavy, slant, like skinny arrow. But he talks about the aerodynamics and what makes an arrow resist the wind. And he says he's done wind tunnel testing. And then a, even a little bit of wind is enough to, like a small gust of wind is enough to blow your arrow off target at, you know, I think it was like 60 yards or, I mean, he's from Australia, so he said meters, you know. So that got me thinking, like, okay, so the wind is a factor. The wind can fuck with your arrow flight. And he was saying the key to beating the wind is one shoot a skinny arrow. That's why he was very much pro X10. It's like, well, I got... I got Pierce Tours, so I'm, I'm not doing the X10 thing. But then he was saying that, <clears throat> it's funny, he was saying that short draw archers have an advantage because the way wind blows your arrow is basically like an out, if you take an outline of your arrow, like from the side, that surface area is the thing that gets blown, if that makes sense. So if you have a longer arrow, if you have a, you know, ultimately a large arrow, arrow or more surface area, there's more area to get blown on. There's more area that's going to get contacted by the wind and then pushed. So he was saying short draw archers have an advantage because you have shorter arrows. Therefore, you have less surface area to get, you know, blown around. Um, he was also saying that you want a heavy arrow to resist the wind. Because that weight will resist getting pushed. He also said small veins, right? So I uh, I fletched six arrows up with FFP, you know, flex fletch one eight sevens. Um, the arrows I ran in Reading were a hundred grain point two twenty five, um, and then I cut them long. I left them long because, you know, I shot. When I shot field nationals, I shot long ACEs, and they were they seemed really forgiving. Um, I've you know I've shot long arrows, I've shot short arrows, I've had good success with both. So it's not like there's any science behind it. Picking the long arrow, it was just something I've done in the past that works. So I was like, oh, I'll do it again. <clears throat> well, 
Now I cut these arrows down uh, about a quarter inch in front of my blade and put a smaller vein on it. And the speed increase that I got on these arrows was mad. I, I probably like just estimating based on archer's mark. And I know archer's mark and archer's advantage is not that accurate at guesstimating speed. But the difference between the two arrows, between my reading arrow and my field arrow, looks like about 40 feet per second. I should also mention that I, I dialed my limbs in, right? Turned the poundage up. Um, stop. I'm just trying to stop shoot shooting baby weight here. You know, I'm shooting like an adult man's draw weight. So all these things in, what do they call it, in concert, created like a 40 to 50 foot per second increase. Um, almost to the point where I was wondering if it was too fast and I was watching you know, <laughs> so you guys know I'm such a nerd I'm just trying to take all this information in right <laughs> all the time for, about archery and then I can turn around and vomit it out to you guys on this show well Tim Gillingham uh, the mad scientist has uh a little thing called, I think it's called Arrow University or something like that on YouTube. And they're, they're old, you know, tw- you know, two thousand. they probably made in the 2000s. But they look like they were filmed in the 90s. You guys remember like the old like <laughs> videos that you would see <laughs> either in like science class instructionals or it would be like, you know, remember when you get a new job? Maybe when you got a job working at Macy's, they made you watch like the sexual harassment video. And the guy's like, oh, hello there. Well, the Tim Gillingham videos have that have that grainy feel to it. So in the Arrow University, Tim talks about the field arrow and optimal speed that he thinks for field archery is 270 feet per second. I can't remember exactly why 270 feet per second was his sweet spot but he said you know plus or minus five or ten from that and you'll be in a good you'll be in a good area right um now to play devil's advocate uh steve anderson says the best arrow for for i want to say field but i think he was talking about feta was the heaviest arrow that you can still hit that distance all right um, I've done that in the past for our state 900. I built an arrow just for the state 900 where I built a heavy, heavy fucking, um, I think it was an FMJ. Do you guys remember like Easton used to have these, like the reverse X10 where it was like a four mil FMJ where it's carbon in the middle and then aluminum on the outside. It was a dumb, dumb design that they did that because basically if a fly took a shit in, in the general vicinity of your, your aluminum shafts, it would fuck it up for life. It didn't matter how much carbon was on the inside. But I took those, I put 140 grain points in them, I think. And that was for the state state 900. And those things were so heavy, they would hit all the distances, but they were so unforgiving because they were so heavy. And I think some of you will know what I'm talking about. Like when you load up your indoor arrow with a 350 grain point, for some people that works, and for some people that makes that arrow unforgiving. <laughs> and, well, in this case, it was very unforgiving. So, Steve Anderson says heaviest arrow possible. Eh, I don't know if that's true or not. I would love to try that again. I would love to give it another try and and put that to the test. Gillingham says the heaviest arrow that you can hit 270 feet per second, and that makes more sense to me because you're still shooting a flat arrow. You know what I mean? or flat-ish trajectory on that arrow. So, I had all this speed increase, right? Well, I didn't need all of it, so I started loading up my point weight again. And it's pretty amazing how much, like, I mean, and I'm just going off Archer's Advantage, Archer's Mark. I know it's not the most accurate thing, and the second I get my hands on a chronograph, I'll be able to confirm these these uh, hypotheses, or hypothesis. Uh, these guesses to you guys, right? But um, as you guys know, I love tinkering with arrows. It's kind of like my my kryptonite. Um, so I started loading up point weight again. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but you can actually load up 
30 grains of point weight and it will not really change your speed all that much. <laughs> like I was expecting I was expecting to be like right on the the lower side of 270 or the upper side of 260. According to these apps, I'm a little bit faster than that right now and I got I got a handful of point weight. Um on the Aero University regarding the field arrows Tim Gillingham talks about guys shooting 150 and 170 grain points on their field arrows. I don't know if he was high on crack when he said that or if he was coming off of a peyote trip because I don't believe that's a good idea. Um, but, you know, maybe it's something they do on the other side of the country or, you know, in middle America where they have to drink well water. You know what I mean? maybe that those are the people that do that. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Most people I talk to don't go beyond 130 or 140. I think my coach shot 140 for a majority of his, you know, archery career. So for anyone out that's out there fucking with arrows, give that a whack. Um, now with tuning, however, a good friend of mine, Zach Walker was able to get his bow to tune really well. With 100 grain points. Now. What does that mean? Well 100 grain point is going to. React stiffer. That arrow is going to react stiffer. Um, Zach is a, a giant of a man. I, I think. Um, I think he has like a, like a 30 inch draw. So. Maybe that's what he requires. Maybe he re- requires a stiffer arrow. I don't. I don't know 100%. But he was telling me about his tuning process this week. And he was able to extract a ton out of just changing his point weight. So uh, that's another thing that I will plan I plan to mess around with. Um, probably after field nationals, I'm going to have like a couple months where I can just mess around and experiment with arrows, you know, for outdoor. Uh, that's going to be my plan. And I'll report all of it to you guys if you care. You know, well, we'll see what you guys, uh, what you guys want to hear about because after, um, I say field nationals after state field, I don't plan to do much. You know, I, I, I might just fire up a, an indoor setup. I don't know, but it, you know, I want to help you guys out. So tell me what's coming after state field. What do you, what are you going to prepare for? What, what can I help you prepare for? If anything, Shit, maybe the stuff I tell you guys is all, <laughs> what do they call that, old hat? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I got a, a cool question that I have a cool answer for. I wanted to share. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine asked, hey, man, uh, I think I'm getting knock pinch on my bow, and I think it's fucking some stuff up. I generally don't blame knock pinch for stuff, but I've seen knock pinch on my own setups before. That, you know, make you wonder, make you go, hmm, right? Is this bad? Well, a way you can tell, and I came across this by accident. Um, I was drawing an arrow back in my basement, and it, there was no point in it. <clears throat> and with no point on a, on a blade rest, if there's knock pinch, that shaft will move all over the place. It won't just glide easily along your blade. It might pop off. I've had knock pinch so bad before that when I pulled back, like the arrow, like kind of pointed, you know, pointed towards the upwards, you know? (laughs) So it was bad. But after doing that, I was like, holy crap, here's an easy, cheap, free way to see if you have knock pinch at all. Grab an arrow with no point, or if you just have an old shaft laying around. Plug a knock into it. Plug it into your bow and see. Um, yeah. Uh, as of right now, I think I have a very slight amount of knock pinch, but not enough to blame anything on. Um, on my next, the next bow I build, I'll definitely mitigate that by, I might do like a, a top and bottom knock set. Uh, if you guys do do top and bottom next knock sets, I advise that you go heavier on the bottom one, Right. Because uh, I, I'll get Tom Parkinson to explain this better later, but I believe that puts 
the power stroke of the string more directly behind the arrow. Um, I saw <laughs> a picture of Angus Moss shooting at an ASA or, or some 3D event, and he had like 10 above, like 10 knocks that's tied above and 10 knocks that's tied below. I, well, man, I don't think that's a good, I don't, I don't think that's good. Uh, but he's shooting the ASA and he's putting points down. I'm not, so I can't really, you know, take with it what you will. Uh, I would check out his score and see where he placed amongst other and other shooters and see what their, you know, the conventional knock sets were looking like. So little thing on knock pinch, not a big deal. Um, but it's an easy one to weed out. Um, so yeah, let's see. We went over arrow profile, minimizing the the wind's effect on it. Uh, another thing that I'm working on this week is center shot. Uh, like I said, the the center shot on my bow is good. After learning from Doug Rosen, Mark Rubio, Tom Parkinson, that you don't move your sight when doing center shot because you want to rule out the axis on your sight. Um, that's pretty huge, you know, uh, one thing, you know, I was just saying that all my arrows that I shoot are scoring, but on the course that I'm practicing on right before the 80 yard shot, there is a 15 yard shot. So one thing I would do is I'll shoot the four arrows for the 15, I'll score them. And then I will set my sight for 80 yards and then I'll walk up about three or four yards away from the target, and I'll shoot the corner of the paper. <clears throat> and then I'll, I'll, you know, turn my sight if I have to to get that right in the middle. And then when I go to the 80, I'll shoot it and see how, you know, I might not have to move my sight when I shoot the paper, but then I'll go to the 80 and I'll shoot it and I'll see how lined up I am. So it's a cool little tip for center shot checking. Um, you know, again just trying to help help you guys out as I help myself out at the same time. Um, let's see. Other things going down in archery news right now. World Cup's going down in Korea. That's going to be madness. Matches are going to start, I think, tomorrow or, or Saturday. I think tomorrow. But uh, Mike Schlosser is taking on Steve Marsh. And I don't know if you guys know who Steve Marsh is, but he's kind of like this quiet mellow, very polite Matthew shooter who's been around doing the damn thing for years now. He's always been like an under-the-radar pro, but he's doing it. He's always doing it. And that's one thing that I really like seeing is like a guy who outlasts and the the guy that still sticks with it, they get their moment, you know? So as much as I like Mike Schlosser and I'm a huge fan of his, I really want to see Steve Marsh kick some ass. And I hope his his mental game is on point because, fuck, man, if you got to shoot against Schlosser, <laughs> the impending doom that would be coming out of the voice in my head would be not your not my buddy. <laughs> Let's see. Other things in archery news. Um I know, Joe Rogan and Cameron Haynes had a, they did an interview. Cameron Haynes just wrote some book <coughs> about why he's such a badass, right? So he's doing a tour where he's going on all the podcasts to promote it. Well, normally I wouldn't care about that, but he he met up with Joe Rogan and they shot bows. And he set Joe Rogan up with a Hoyt. <laughs> so it's kind of cool seeing Joe Rogan shoot a Hoyt. I wonder if John Dudley's just like, Oink! freaking the fuck out what's nuts is that you know just through the through the pipeline i've heard someone said that you know rogan's pse is always you know at the shop to get fucked with or worked on or whatever and then i've also heard that you know rogan said himself that a pse is the best bow he's ever shot but you know maybe he's just ball fondling john dudley for that one it's hard to say it's hard to say but yeah there's footage of rogan shooting a hoyt now what what <laughs> Um, but you know, I've said in the past, who gives a shit who's, who's shooting what it's just interesting because there's a lot of like weird, there's a lot of weird stuff. Like these guys like Rogan, right? They kind of dip into the archery industry and they have so much money that they can like legit alter the archery industry. 
so it's it's weird when this stuff happens um or at least like you know rogan's thing with pse and the possibility of buying the factory and all this other crap but anyway yeah uh that's what's going down with archery news right now uh, just a little you know water cooler talk nothing really nothing really too fantastic let's see listener questions i got tech question this is from my buddy neil he says moving up peep to shoot indiana safari style shoot in june way to go neil gonna do some safari in indiana normal measurement is five and a quarter inches from knock to center of the peep i set it up high at five and a quarter to the bottom of the peep instead obviously it feels really damn awkward how many arrows until i settle into the new height or rather when do i scooch her down a bit to uh lower to my normal spec what's the sweet spot feel like and how long do i stick with it at the current position before testing different height aka lowering back well neil that's an interesting question because you know it's a really preferential thing like how do you know what the sweet spot feels like well depends on what what distance you want you know you want the uh I don't want to say the handicap of it, but for Redding, right? Broadwater did a post where he said he sets his peep height to be comfortable at 70 yards. And I think when you do that, you're, the surrounding yardages, like 80 and 90 and 100, you know, if, you, if 70 is your strongest, the surrounding yardages are also strong, but like a little weaker, right? Strong, but a little weaker. <clears throat> You're only going to shoot 100. So on the high side of things, that 70-yard peep height covers the 100-yard. You're still comfortable at 100. And then coming back the other way, 60-50, you're still comfortable. But then 40-30-20, you start to go less comfortable. Like 20, you're going to be much less more com- you're going to much less comfortable. But because it's 20 yards, you can get away with much more BS, you know? Like the bow should be more forgiving at that distance or not forgiving, but it's an easier shot basically. So you don't have to worry as much. Um, that's kind of how I thought mine, it, my bow is set up. I'm probably set up more like an 80 yard, uh, peep height. How do you know? Well, shooting at that distance feels comfortable. You know, that's, that's how you'll know if you're if you're set up for that um if it, if i were to make a recommendation right broadwater shoots 70 yards like it's you know like he's eating toast in the morning it's it's nothing to him for guys like us i think 60 yards would be ideal to set your your peeps your peep height to um because then everything around you know 60 70 80 you're going to be comfortable on You'll be less comfortable at 90 and 100, but there's going to be less shots at that distance, and you can practice to get comfortable at those distances. But 20 to 60, there's going to be a large volume of targets there. So if I you know, if I could do my peep height over again, I would set it for 60 yards. Or, you know, I'll meet you halfway, 65 even, you know? And you'll know, you'll know it's right, you know, just through trial and error. Um, before you, you know, cut your peep off and move it around, like, um, well, you know, cut it, move it around, but make sure you keep a seat belt tied around your peep, right? Which is, you know, you don't have to serve the top and bottom of your peep in, you know, until you're ready and, and you got you're sure you got it where you like it. But I like to serve, or I like to just tie around the peep and around the string so that that thing doesn't come, f- you know, slingshotting out and smack you in the face. Um, yeah, that would be no bueno. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I got asked by the Diablo Bowman to drop another note for anyone in the, the you know, Northern California area. If you want to shoot the Red Devil cartoon shoot, it is May 22nd. 42 marked yardage cartoon targets, 11, 10, 8 scoring, two arrows. Uh, that is this Sunday. Great raffle. Uh, 
well-maintained, well-manicured range. Awesome place to shoot. I've done it a couple times. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's been known to get windy there at times, but, you know, nut up or shut up. Um, let's see. That's really been the listener questions, guys. Yeah, listener questions have been scarce. So, I don't know if, uh, you know... Now you guys got no questions for me, but I'm going to keep doing the podcast anyway. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> I'm still I'm still just going to keep talking. Uh you know, when my listener numbers get really low, maybe I'll I'll back off a little bit. But until then, until then this is just too much fun. Uh I I you know, I still get enough interaction from you guys to make this worth it. Um you know, a couple people have asked me like, "Hey, you've been real quiet lately on social media?" Yeah, I have been. I've been practicing been meditating i've been uh i've been in a cave of archery and you know i'm just trying to trying to just focus right now and it's one thing that i noticed about the really good archers like uh page and tate they really don't spend a lot of time at least from what they say they don't spend a lot of time fucking around with uh things like podcasts and social media and stuff like they do the posts that they got to do, but they're really out there focusing. So I'm trying to put a little more energy to that. Um, but you know, ultimately, and it's just so I can tell you guys, Hey, this works. This doesn't work. This works. This doesn't work. So <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully it's helping you guys out a little bit. Um, bam. Well, that'll be the episode for today. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I will see you in Nevada city. Come get some. Um, until then, uh, the you know the show is brought to you by DB Custom Coatings, <coughs> Sarah Coaters out of Napa, Darren and Bet. They do awesome, awesome work. Um, I'm trying to think of something. I'm gonna have Darren Sarah Coat on the next bow I get. Mm, let's see, Carbon Craft Stabilizers. Yeah, they're really good. If you guys want to try them, I got demo bars. You know, I say it every episode. <clears throat> I'm not going to try to shield too hard for stuff. I know you guys probably don't don't want to listen to all that, but there you have it, guys. There's the episode. Get your ass out there. Get some practice. Throw some arrows down. Increase your average score. Bring your A game to Nevada City. All right. All right.